Hey all, welcome back to the Real Life Pharmacology Podcast. I'm your host, pharmacist Eric Christensen. Thank you so much for listening today. As always, go get your free 31-page PDF on the top 200 drugs. It's a great study guide, great refresher uh, if you're out in clinical practice. So uh, simply go into reallifepharmacology.com. Uh, an email will get you access to that. We also get you uh, email updates when we've got new podcasts and other content available as well. So uh, go do that. Sign up for that free 31-page PDF at reallifepharmacology.com. Let's get into the drug of the day today, and that is Aliskirin. Brand name of this medication is Tecturna. And this medication is classified as an antihypertensive, so it's going to lower blood pressure. Uh, and it's also classified as a renin inhibitor. So if you think about the renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system, uh, you'll recognize that aliskirin, being a renin inhibitor, is also going to work on that pathway. So mechanistically, by this drug essentially reducing the activity of renin, that's going to ultimately block the conversion of angiotensinogen to angiotensin 1, uh, and then so on and so forth. So um, because of that blocking, uh, that's going to ultimately lead uh, to a reduction in blood pressure due to vasodilation. Remember, angiotensin 2 is the most potent vasoconstrictor, and that's further down that line in that cascade of the uh, formation of different metabolites of uh, and alterations to angiotensinogen and angiotensin 1. So, um, again, reducing that renin activity ultimately blocks that conversion of angiotensinogen to angiotensin 1, which is in that pathway of increasing angiotensin 2. So, going to lead to vasodilation and obviously lowering of blood pressure. Uh, this medication is typically dosed once a day, so that is definitely an advantage. And this medication is typically more expensive um, than your traditional ACE inhibitors and ARBs and things of that nature, um, which lends to an important education point. This drug should not be used with an ACE inhibitor or an ARB. I've seen that out in practice a couple of times, I think, uh, if I recall correctly. And... You know, I think it's on account due to people not recognizing what aliskirin is and just not recognizing that that drug works on that system as well. So we wouldn't want to use that with an ACE or an ARB. Uh, the dosage forms, it's uh, 150 milligrams and 300 milligrams. And again, dosing is once daily on that, so pretty straightforward there. All right, let's talk adverse drug reactions a little bit. Um, really fairly well tolerated in general. Um, obviously, it can lower blood pressure, so hypotension and dizziness can happen. Um, diarrhea, rash, you know, kind of, I guess, more common adverse effects, but again, you, you generally don't encounter them very often. Uh, some rarer things, um, cough isn't incredibly common, um, definitely less so. Uh, compared to ACE inhibitors, for example. Uh, it can uh, potentially contribute to a rise in creatinine, which is going to um, increase the, the potential for acute renal failure. 
can increase or has been associated with increases in uh, CPK as well. Again, all these are very rare, um, but if you remember CPK where we talked about that, that's definitely um, a statin thing as well there. So again, not something I'm incredibly worried about uh, with this medication, um, but something to pay attention to if you notice something uh, clinically off there. Uh, and then in pregnancy, uh, this medication is absolutely recommended to avoid uh, because it can lead to uh, fetal harm and fetal risks uh, with this medication. Uh, administration and potentially some uh, interactions there that may alter absorption and things of that nature. Uh, so when you give this medication with a high-fat meal, it can reduce absorption of the drug. So if you notice a patient not responding or something uh, to that effect, they uh, it might not be a bad idea to inquire about how they're taking it because taking it with a high-fat meal can lower the absorption. Now, the recommended way to take this medication is basically to be consistent, which uh, generally makes sense to me. So... Um, yeah, really no preference as far as food or no food, but consistency is probably the uh, important education point there. And then obviously we can monitor patients clinically. We're going to look at blood pressure and things of that nature. So in addition to monitoring blood pressure, uh, obviously working on that pathway, working similar uh, to ACEs and ARBs, you can anticipate um, that elevations in potassium can happen, and I apologize for uh, omitting that in the adverse drug reactions, but obviously that is an important adverse drug reaction that we need to pay attention to and monitor. So one of the most important <laughs> adverse drug reactions. And renal function is going to be important as well. So you're going to monitor creatinine, um, blood urea nitrogens, or BUN, it's often referred to as, and uh, ensure that those aren't going up. Uh, in a in a significant fashion, pharmacokinetics, pharmacodynamics, uh, half life is 24 hours, so it makes sense that we can give this uh, medication once daily. 25 uh, percent, or approximately 25 percent, is excreted in the urine. So, as you can imagine, if we've got patients with poor renal function, that could impact. Uh, concentrations and make those concentrations go higher and increase the risk for um, adverse drug reactions like acute renal failure and increase in potassium and things of, of that nature. All right, let's take a quick break from our sponsor and we'll wrap up with drug interactions. If you're in the market for any pharmacist board certification study material like BCPS, ambulatory care, geriatrics, BCMTMS, or others, go check out meded101.com slash store. We've got a growing list of resources there, helped thousands of pharmacists prepare and pass their board exams. So uh, go support the sponsor, uh, meded101.com. that helps keep this podcast uh, educational and free for all to benefit from. Uh, if you're not a pharmacist and not taking a board exam anytime soon, uh, definitely go check out meded101.com slash store. We've got a list of books that can be really relevant towards clinical practice on polypharmacy, drug interactions, food medication interactions, case studies, uh, tons of different resources there that can be really helpful for you. So 
Uh, all those links at meded101.com slash store. All right, wrapping up with drug interactions. So I alluded to this already. Um, what you want to think about is potassium with aliskirin. So elevations in potassium can certainly happen and can and patients can be at greater risk when they're on other medications like ACEs and ARBs uh, that can uh, increase that risk for hypo, hyperkalemia. So absolutely recommended to avoid ACE or ARB in combination with aliskirin. Uh, in addition, uh, spironolactone can raise potassium levels. Uh, trimethoprim is another great example uh, that can increase potassium levels. So uh, really be on the lookout for that and uh, at a minimum, make sure we're uh, carefully monitoring for that. Uh, NSAIDs, diuretics in combination with aliskirin can increase the risk for acute renal failure. So that's something important uh, to monitor for and try to minimize uh, the OTC use of NSAIDs if possible, or at least limit that duration. Uh, as well as paying attention to any prescribed uh, loop diuretics or thiazide diuretics, they can increase that risk for renal dysfunction. Uh, and then, of course, we've got blood pressure changes. So um, some medications can certainly oppose the beneficial blood pressure lowering effects of aliskirin. Uh, stimulants are a great example. NSAIDs can sometimes contribute to that. Um, EPO-type agents, erythropoietin-type agents can raise blood pressure and uh, directly to, to oppose the effects of aliskirin. Uh, lower blood pressure, so drugs that can basically have additive effects onto aliskirin that aren't considered kind of classic blood pressure medications or blood pressure-lowering medications. Uh, PDE5 inhibitors like sildenafil, uh, Cinemet's a good example, uh, used in uh, Parkinson's disease. Um, some antipsychotics more than others uh, can cause some orthostasis and lower blood pressure. Uh, alpha blocking agents used for BPH like Tamsulosin. These are all meds that can have additive blood pressure lowering effects and may cause that blood pressure to go a little too low. Uh, cyclosporin immunosuppressive type agent not used incredibly common but this can increase concentrations of aliskirin. Uh, so you might want to pay attention to that. Uh, and grapefruit juice, so a, kind of a food dietary interaction, um, does have the potential or has been reported to lower concentrations of aliskirin. All right, well, I think that's going to wrap up the podcast for today. If you enjoyed this episode, you can definitely go leave a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. Also, please support the sponsor, meded101.com slash store. Your purchases there uh, go directly uh, to support this podcast and keeping it going. So I greatly appreciate that. Uh, any comments, suggestions, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn, Eric Christensen, PharmD, BCPS, BCGP. Or you can email me, mededucation101 at gmail.com. And with that, I'm going to sign off for today, and I hope you have a great rest of your day.